The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that always finishes over 75%. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman and Duck Dis. Yeah, you. Uh, there's there's no there's no worry about whether we are going to even hit the minimum five percent. This is a first ballot pod, baby. <laughs> every time, every time. But yet we keep ending up back on the ballot annually. Uh, I am sitting here in my home in my office with Jake Mintz. He is sitting next to me. It is Wednesday, January twenty fourth, and Jake is visiting me in Indiana for the first time. Uh, you took a very early flight to get here. We drove through some disgusting conditions, although honestly, pretty pleasant conditions, all things considered by by Midwestern weather uh, standards. And now you're here and now we are going to record a podcast. And thank you to the baseball world for giving us so much to talk so about much. because I could see a scenario where, oh, Jake and Jordan are back in the same place, like sh- shit's going to kind of get off the rails. But we actually have news. For like one of the first, yeah. this is one of the first times like, wow, a lot has happened since we last talked. I, you know, this morning in my head, Jordan, I thought to myself, I hopped off the plane at Indianapolis International Airport with a dream in my podcast recording setup. Okay. And I'm yeah. ready to talk. Yeah. Not just banter. No. I'm ready to dig in. <laughs> You're to ready to analyze. News. You're ready to observe. You're ready to, to bring some takes about some of these free agent signings. Yes, teams actually decided to give baseball players money over the last couple of days. Which so is, charitable. Which has not been the case um, in recent weeks. Uh, but of course, we have to begin with the, the Baseball Hall of Fame because we have our, our class. We have our class. We have the three players that will be joining Jim Leland in the class of 2024. Uh, it's always, I will say, this is maybe a good place to start. Now, again, if you if you want like our full rundown of the ballot, we did that, you know, earlier this month. We did a whole special just talking through the ballot. So we're not going to necessarily review where we stand on on all of these players who didn't didn't get in. But one of my favorite things about it is kind of the the randomness that brings the classes together. And now, uh, in the eyes of Cooperstown and, and of course baseball historians, we will always think of Beltre. Todd Helton and Joe Maurer together, right? You know, three players who, of course, their careers overlap, but we didn't necessarily think about them together, not to mention Jim Leland also yeah. now gets thrown in there. It's obviously funnier when the players are from more disparate eras, right? I'm yes, not going to be able to true. pull any of these out of my butt, but like, mm-hmm. all right, they're inducting oh, well, we've Cal seen- Ripken and... Uh, Scruffy <laughs> O'Reilly, right? No, no, but that's true. Catcher. That's true. Like when we have like a like a committee that votes, like you know, like when Jim Cott got in, um, not that long ago, he you know goes in with someone who played thirty years after him. But that is just uh, the nature. But in this case, you know, we have uh, you know Leland and Helton and and Maurer uh, and Beltre, and I, I guess at the very least, I imagine Leland will have some some significant familiarity with Maurer having you know been in the in the same division uh, for at least a little while but I'm sure they will find ways to to overlap their careers and, and mention each other in their respective Hall of Fame speeches but okay so we have three we wish we had four we'll get to Billy Wagner a Jim little Leland's bit later gonna be like Jim Leland's gonna be like 
Todd Helton played for what? <laughs> Todd Helton. The, the, there is a team. The who? <laughs> Dead. Tell, tell me about them. Uh, so uh, let's let's talk about these these three Hall of Famers. Um, let's talk about Adrian Beltre first because he is someone. When we did the the podcast, uh, when we did the podcast, you know, reviewing the whole ballot, we were like, okay, we'll talk about Adrian Beltre when he gets in because we know he's going to get in. He gets in with ninety five percent of the vote. <laughs> okay, again, it should not be complicated. Adrian Beltre. Who, why you're not voting for Andrew Beltre, whatever. But here he is, a Hall of Famer. And when you think about him, like what will you remember? What stands out about his career to you? There really are so many chapters in his career. Mm-hmm. He debuts as a 19-year-old, which is really, really, really rare. Mm-hmm. It is very difficult to debut at that age. And he's not that good at the beginning. Yeah. He's very good defensively. But as a hitter, he doesn't find his stride. Until he about really, s- really finds a stride. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't find his stride for about six seasons. Yeah. Okay. So he debuts in 98 and until 2003, no MVP votes, mm-hmm. no all-star games, yeah. no silver sluggers. Mm-hmm. And then bam, yeah. 2004, one of the best offensive seasons of the 21st century, 48 home runs and slashes, 334, 388, 629, and finishes second in the MVP behind Barry Bonds. Yes. One of the, the probably the best walk years. Oh, yeah. That's in recent memory. Absolutely. And that that sets him up to sign, you know, sign a deal with Seattle where he ends up relatively underwhelming, although I wouldn't say he was he was bad uh, as a Mariner, but of course the the ballpark at that time was not especially kind to him, but still he had a 101 OPS plus as a Seattle Mariner. Yeah, which of course is very different from the 163 he posted in that in that final year, but you know, him and Helton definitely share that in common, which was being overshadowed by Barry Bonds. Now, Helton had it way worse because his peak literally is, you know, 2000 to 2005, which is the greatest offensive stretch we've ever seen from an individual player. Happened to be in the same division in a team that was winning a lot more than the Rockies. But that Beltre season, man, yeah, 48 home runs, leading the league, you know, only strikes out 87 times. It's like, a, I think it's a nine war season. Like, it's one of the best seasons we've had in the 21st century. And, you know, second place MVP, of course, it's not going to, didn't end up mattering because the real reason Adrian Beltre is in the Hall of Fame is because he had a marvelous 30s, an incredible run with Texas. He doesn't get to the Rangers until he's 32, and he's amazing. Not only is his offense even more consistent than it was earlier in his career, but the defense was maybe it was always this good, but it was certainly more recognized on a national level. We he wins a bunch knew, of gold gloves. We knew, like we we had better ways to track defensive sure. value at this point. That's a good point. You know, and so he, it was, it's one thing to watch a 25 year old be really athletic and nimble. It was another thing to watch a 36 year old Adrian Beltre throw his body around on the field and make incredible plays. Yeah. And I I can't remember who, uh, maybe this was from Dave Roberts or I I saw some quote about this, um, basically being like, he was about as good of, of the, the, going on a ball and barehanding it mm. as as you'll ever see. Of course, we've had some incredible defensive third baseman, not just in his generation. We've seen Arenado. Now we have Cabrian Hayes. Of course, you go back farther, you can find some some incredible defenders. We, we just had you know Scott Rowland, of course, get into the Hall of Fame. A lot of that because of how good he was defensively at third. But Beltre was that. And then on top of that, who doesn't love Adrian Beltre? I mean, he was having a damn good time. He... First of all, he played, he was unbelievably durable, certainly early in his career. And then even, you know, as he, as he aged where he's, you know, playing 153 games when he's 37 and still finishing, you know, top 10 MVP in three out of four years, uh, you know, of the last five years of his career. 
it, um, it's an it's an incredible run. He was he, a, a, another good example of a Hall of Famer. He was never bad, never bad. Yeah, which Can is I, hard to do when you play until you're 39. I might even call Adrian Beltre the opposite of Anthony Rendon. <laughs> Outrageously durable, mm-hmm. took care of his body meticulously as he aged into his 30s so he could play every day. Yep, and exhibited joy on Loved the ball. field every time he stepped on it. Loved ball. Yeah, love ball. And it ball. was an experience to watch him love ball. And his jovial personality, Jordan, shone through on the phone call. They have the clip of all the <laughs> yes. guys getting the phone call. Mm-hmm. And so he's sitting on his couch with his family mm-hmm. with Scott Boris lurking in the background in <laughs> shot, which is a, a direct choice. Not an accident. Not an accident. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that later. And the phone rings and Beltre goes, should I let it go to voicemail? <laughs> which is so funny. So... Let's talk about the call. Um, we'll, want to get, get into the call right yeah, now? Yeah, because we'll get into it. Because that that is literally how it's referred to in like a proverbial sense. Of like, oh, when are you going to get the you know the call? It's is the that Hall what, of Fame. You know the Backstreet Boys song? That's what that's about. <laughs> but, but but this is the thing. Like, it is literally a call that is now, especially over the last decade or so, documented very closely. Almost to the point where... Now, listen, we have the other version of this that we, of course, have in kind of everyday sports... Uh, context is is the draft right now it's different particularly in in baseball where not a lot of people are attending the draft we have that more there but the call where you're getting you're getting good news but the problem for better or for worse this is why i think this is an, an interesting thing and as we've seen the the literal call evolve is it's so not scripted but like we have so many cameras on it now that it's almost like we. I feel like it's sometime we are. It's almost overproduced, and we might be missing out on on some level of natural uh, reaction that I feel like we're missing. Now that doesn't mean we can't analyze and, and be entertained by it, but I do feel like it's it's so so stage. There's so many cameras and and we know exactly what he's going to say that I feel like we're maybe missing out a little bit on some sort well, of natural you, there's reaction. There's no tension because the second you receive a call on your phone. It says Cooperstown, New York. Right. You know what it is on this particular day. The two ways to change the system. Mm-hmm. Think it big here. Yeah. Two ways to change the system to make it more tense. One is that everyone on the ballot gets a phone call on the day of the induction. So, so James Shields ballot, was like, so hey, James guys, Shields, you got just so you know, you got zero votes. <laughs> just wanted to let you know. You're hey, not this is on Jack the O'Connell. Uh, you, oh, oh every, everyone else, like random players who didn't even play 10 years get called on the Hall of Fame. They're like, hey, just so you know, like not on the ballot in case you thought there no, was some mistake. You're James not on the Shields, Hall of Fame. You get a phone call. You're off the ballot. This is part of Jordan, the wussification of America. We so need true. to be able to tell losers that they've lost. They need to be able to handle it. Failures that they've failed. Like we should call everyone on the list. They tell you whether or not you got in because the second you see the call, there's no tension. Or you do it on a different day where it's mm. just like, oh, where's the, you set up a camera in the living room. Yeah. Okay. Right. And right. For, it's more of a surprise. It's, like it's going to be one of these days during this week. I will say though, like, especially for Todd Helton and then the reverse of this, we'll get to Billy Wagner, like Beltre, the, it's like, okay, dude, you're going to sit on the couch and you're going to get a call at 5.30, right? But that's <laughs> enough. It was it was obvious enough that yeah. Scott Boris was there, right? <laughs> right? When Scott Boris, as we know, has other things to do right Joe now. Joe Maurer got in by, what, five votes? Oh, yeah. Joe Maurer was, and, was 76% and, and Helton also, you know, scraped in by, I but think, 78%. What I'm saying is if Bauer, if not Bauer, if Maurer was represented by Boris, mm. Boris would not have gone 
because it was so close. This yeah. is my my take. Yes. So like Beltre being a shoe and being a lock, Boris felt compelled to go out. Yes. I want to talk about Helton getting the call. Yes. Helt, get, the Helton reaction is the best because you can take the man out of the dugout, mm-hmm. but you cannot take the dugout out of the man. Because when that phone rings and it says Cooperstown, Todd Helton's reaction was to take his right arm and thrust it in the air and point up as if he was on the top step of the dugout and a teammate had hit a home run. Yeah. Like that was it was the exact same motion, a motion that he probably has never made mm. while not watching a baseball game. <laughs> right. Like if, mm, interesting. if he's dry if he finds like ten dollars on the ground mm-hmm. he's not like oh nice or like yeah i don't and i don't know what i don't know what his sports allegiances are right uh, the so, university of tennessee that's what i was gonna say so it's possible that the university sometimes the university of tennessee have done something where he's gotten really excited. hooker yeah that's a football player throws that pass and maybe he gave a similar fist bump but, but as far as this is concerned like this is where i think the tension is still there because especially for helton who's already come so close he missed it by 11 votes a year ago the public tracking had it where it was like oh he's actually not making a lot of progress this year to the point where is he going to miss it barely the way that you know billy wagner ultimately did and so i think there was there's a, a big level of satisfaction uh, and then the other thing we get great from Helton is, is he he flips his phone. He basically says, you know, he hangs up and then he flips his phone, uh, which is delightful. And he's wearing purple. Yeah, he was ready again. Like it's it's a product. It's it's a it's a good production, and, and it's also cool. Like I remember um, when Scott Rowland got in, it was really cool to see his like parents were there, and that's something where when you think about like the parents of Hall of Famers, especially players as as they get older. It's like, wow, like think about how much, you know, we think about, oh, we remember their careers and all these things, but it's, it's cool to see them, them with their parents at that age, I think is really, is really special. So anyway, so help, let's talk about Helton. I mean, finally, this is one that I've, I've been uh, your, relatively, your relatively passionate about as I've just glommed onto this uh, as a connection. And on a day when so many first basemen signed too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was really, maybe that's what it what inspired uh, some of the free agent activity that we I love, had. I love that. The Brewers were like, oh, Helton got Damn. in? Man, Man. first baseman. Oh, shit. We need a first that, baseman. That is one of the positions. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Oh, we don't, it's like respect. It's like, we got Jake Bowers. We could do better than that. Um, anyway, Todd Helton. Whoa. I mean, here's the thing. Pretty straightforward. I mean, I've, I've said it before. He was, and, and as we compare him to Maurer too, right? Like this was someone who was also a freak athlete as a high schooler in Tennessee. So good to the point where unlike Joe Maurer, he could not pass up the opportunity to go be a college quarterback, goes to Tennessee, ends up injured and on the depth chart behind this Peyton Manning guy. And he's like, fine, I'll focus on baseball. Focuses on baseball is just like immediately, uh, essentially Shohei Otani in the SEC. He's an unbelievable two-way player. Ultimately, the, Rack- the Rockies dropped him in the top t- uh, dropped him in the top 10, and then he's in the big leagues a couple years later. Whole year in Colorado, or whole career in Colorado. He is he is the Rocky through and through. I, I can't imagine anyone ever really coming close to Todd Helton as a Rocky. And while, of course, being on the Rockies limits your level of national exposure, also being in the same division as Barry Bonds when you're at your best limits your national exposure. But... When you look at park adjusted stats and you look at what he did on the road, like he was clearly a Hall of Fame hitter. It is not even close. Everyone that played with him or against him uh, clearly recognized that. Um, and he was a hell of a player. And, uh, and it's really cool to see him get in because especially for the Rockies, um, I got a text from a Rockies uh, fan friend 
uh, listener to the show and she was like, this is, you know, <laughs> this it's is my moment, Rocky's is joy. The- like, this is it. You know, we don't have this. Of course, they had it with Larry Walker. But and, 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 and that was a huge deal. Like, and that in, in a lot of ways arguably helped pave the way in terms of the course discourse. And Walker is like the first Rocky. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right? But but Walker, of course, has association. He did not start there, right? And so nor did Helton, he finish there. Nor did he finish there. And so for Helton, he is that is that he is the Rocky. He will always be the Rocky. And now they will have him as this legend forever and ever. Um and I'm glad they have that. Uh because yeah. So uh, just quickly, <laughs> um yes. uh Todd Helton career war. Mm-hmm. As a Rocky is sixty one point eight. Yeah. So Chris Bryant right now career war as a Rocky is negative point six. So <laughs> okay. he will need to compile. He's got a lot of work to do. Sixty two uh, point something. I mean, uh, but again, like who's who's he second? Could. He's got to be what twenty five ahead of of Arenado. I mean, who's who's second on the all time Rockies list? Let's see. Uh, it is Brenton Doyle defense. It is Larry Walker, uh, who again was uh, not even there for, and you know Larry Walker's twelve WAR behind him. And then it is Arenado down at forty, and then you get to Tulo and Trevor Story and, and Cargo and whatnot. Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman is basically also the Rocky. He just is not a Hall of Famer, but he will be up there in the like he could be in the Rockies Hall of Fame easily, 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 easily. Like that could happen oh. way sooner than we even recognize. They got to so. retire his number. Yeah, they, so, they, they he's gonna get the call. <laughs> they will. You've made the the, the Montforts will give him a call. Um. So anyway, all right. So that's that's Todd Helton. And as I mentioned, Todd Helton, right, multi sports star, but goes to play in college. And now let's go to Joe Maurer because well, I, I know you. I, let's you, just say he's the one thing we didn't mention. He's Peyton Manning's backup. Yeah, quarterback. Yeah, yeah. No, he will. Well, right. He's that because and, and that was helped him. He's like, okay, well, it's Manning guy. Heath Schuler was also on that too. Another NFL right. quarterback. Like, what a way to it was pick not going to happen. Sport. <laughs> right, right. It was a combination of injuries. Like it's possible he would have, you know, kept trying if if there wasn't Peyton Manning. Right. On. If Shohei Otani had been on the Tennessee baseball team and the Tennessee quarterback had been bad, sliding we, we might moment. we might have lost him. We might have lost him to football. So I'm glad we didn't. And uh, and now we always have uh, Todd Helton uh, to talk about as a as a badass baseball player. But Joe Mauer. he does have uh, the common now again hit the the parallels with Joe Mauer. Also one team. Also an icon of of his uh, of his. Of his, not just his team, but his city, right? And while Todd Helton, of course, became the adopted son of Denver, Joe Maurer, Minnesota, from the day he was born to the day he will die, and he will now go in as a Twins Hall of Famer, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, you betcha. And my goodness, you wrote about him for Fox. You chronicled kind of talking about how it started. And and right, when I reflect on Maurer, and I remember thinking this during his career, it's just like none of this... This all seems fake, right? It seems like a dream. <laughs> it seems like a movie. Um, and even though it didn't necessarily end in you know a World Series championship or really anywhere close, everything else about it uh, seemed like complete. Like, it was too good to be true, basically. And now it has this quote-unquote ending where he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. So what else? As you reflected, you wrote about Maurer. What, what were your, your takeaways? Just how rare it is for a player to make the big leagues from Minnesota hmm. at all is really hard <laughs> to do. alone with the Twins, yeah. We talk a lot about how – a question I often get from people who don't follow baseball is, where are most baseball players from? And they're all from the South, and they're all from California and Texas, Florida, states that have warm weather and ball year-round. And so to come from Minnesota, where the high school baseball season can't really start until mid-April, the amount of time you are spending outside getting to train is less. And so as a reason, 
you're just getting less development as you get older and fewer kids from cold weather areas uh, are taken in the draft. It is incredibly difficult to become an elite player from uh, a cold weather place like Minnesota. Now, Paul Molitor, Dave Winfield, both Minnesota. I'm not saying it's impossible, whatever. But for Joe Maurer, who grew up in Minnesota, driving the streets of St. Paul, going to the Metro Dome, caring about the Twins, and saying, I want to play on the Twins one day, like every freaking nerd kid in the Twin Cities, and then actually doing exactly that, being the number one pick, and not just being the number one pick, but being the number one pick with the Twins! Which this With is the, the Twins is just ridiculous, This right? is the part about it that, like, I haven't fully like reflected on but like i i I would like to learn more about the the 2000 twins and the degree to which they were tanking and the degree to which it kind of fell into their lap like i I, sour from hour yeah like i and again like you know mark Pryor was also at at the top of that draft and, and was considered comparable prospects so now in retrospect of course it looks obvious but it wasn't necessarily obvious at the time but either way like we talk about certain draft sequences the Nationals, of course, ending up with Harper and Strasburg. You know, some of these other sequences where you end up with number one picks I mean, the or, Orioles, or not having number one picks. The Orioles getting Rushman and Jackson Holiday feels... Oh, yeah. Well, there's... there's Right, exactly. So all these different um, different moments for, for the draft. But that's something I haven't really thought that much about is, is that 2000 Twins team. You know, they lost 93 games. I, I don't know how close they were to not having the number one pick. I guess I could pull up the standings. 93 there, but... games. Nowadays, that's child's play. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's what's the big deal there. <laughs> you know, um, they're not a tank. But yeah, I mean, 93, yeah. I mean, they, 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 were, they were real bad. But I just I, I would love to know more about that. Like from the, someone Tampa, the, the Cubs, who got the second pick, what was mm-hmm. their record, Jordan? Do you know? Uh, yes. The Cubs in 2000 had a – they had 97 losses. Right. So this because is also when you're alternating the first pick, I believe. Between the AL and the NL. Yes. Uh, so which is nowadays, so fucking crazy. Nowadays, Joe Maurer could have been a Cub. Yeah. Or yeah. a Devil Ray, more likely, because the Rays finished just one game mm-hmm. better than the Twins, mm-hmm. and they definitely would have taken Maurer. Yeah. I mean, again, there's like I, there's so the many moments. They, but either way, like it, this is why, again, like what what needed to happen for him to end up with the first pick, for them to end up with the first pick, and then for them to be willing to take this high school catcher uh, who was also obviously could have gone and played football at Florida State and for him to do it. And then and then it just there was no like, again, you say, OK, what are you going to complain about with Joe Maurer? There's two things that you can complain about, yeah. right? One is the injuries, but it's not his fault. It's hard Especially to Especially when about you're catching. That. Especially the injuries that take him away from catching. So his last great season comes at age 30, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the opposite of Beltre. Mm -hmm. It's his last season as a primary catcher, and it's when the injuries start to really push him to first base DH and sap some of the power and the hitting ability Mm -hmm. that he'd shown earlier on in his career. And the second thing is there's no postseason success. 0 and 10. But like, duh, like that was the whole thing. The twins kept losing postseason games. <laughs> like it wasn't Joe Bauer's fault. And obviously they weren't there that often. Um, so so that's just kind of a, a nature of it, right? I mean, it's, it's different where, you know, in some cases like Billy Wagner, again, we'll talk about this. Some people hold the fact that he sucked in his few postseason appearances. And it's, it's of course, exacerbated when you're a reliever. But yeah, I mean, it's basically that and, and the way that, you know, Foolish Baseball has put it, 
which is that, yeah, he was Johnny Bench for a while, and then he was James Loney for five years. But being James Loney for five years is also why he got to 2,000 hits. It's why he ended up getting to uh, some, some career totals that make it a lot easier to swallow. Because also, while he was average, he was also never bad. And something I was something that was really cool, and, and I was going to tweet this um, after we record, something cool about Joe Maurer's career kind of coming into the StatCast era is that you can pull up his Savant page and see that even when he was average on the surface level, he's still like 95th percentile hard hit rate, whiff rate, chase rate. Like the underlying stuff still said this dude is still lead. You can only imagine what all those numbers would look like from 2006 yeah. to 2010, yeah. right? And so that's what's what's really exciting. And of course, anyone that faced and him knew like that's what an, an 80 hit tool looks like. And to see it from a catcher yeah, is part of why it, it's so special. Impossible. It's right. like, what if Luis Arise could squat? Yeah. You know, that's yeah, where the be, peak was. And be an awesome, an awesome catcher, right? A, a catcher that had j- both the, the physical tools to control the running game, as well as all of the intangibles that you would imagine a Joe Maurer type would have. Yeah. You know, everything about it. Now, Joe Maurer getting in opens the door for Posey mm-hmm. and for Molina if it wasn't already open. And it is going to be the first in what I think will be the modern Hall of Fame catcher where we're not looking at bulk in the same way, particularly with Posey. Molina, it's a slightly different conversation about not having Yeah, I think Molina is different. But yeah. for Posey, like mm-hmm. Buster Posey did not play baseball that long, relatively, to most Hall of Famers. Yeah, It's not going to matter because catchers are different creatures. <laughs> and I, I like that we're going to, Mauer, I think, is going to help change that conversation. And what does what does Posey have? Posey has not only not only has he basically has won everything, including MVP, including Rookie of the Year, including like he has the MVP season the way that Mauer does. Right, what he did in 2012 when he has a 171 OPS plus, you know, he has the three World Series, and then what he also has is 2021, which is unbelievable. Which is where he has an 889 OPS. Still, I guess, how many games did he catch in 2021? I'm actually curious about this because it didn't feel like he was catching. No, he still, he caught a hundred fucking games. <laughs> and then he was like, peace, like time to go hang out with my kids. I don't need this. And so he could have probably stuck around and declined and got some more counting numbers. But he's like, I don't have anything left to prove. Who watched me and didn't think like Posey, like when we watched Mauer, I thought I am clearly watching a Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was true when he was a fucking rookie, right? Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. in that case, that's why I think Posey. Now I think Molina is going to be a different discussion. Although I still think that he's going to get in, and I think that's, that's going to that, be that's going to be fine. That's going to be uncivil. It is going to be uncivil. Although I find myself uh, already preparing to fully support it because, as you know, I, we are we will defend catchers forever. Biggest tall. and I, I just think that like those are the people and, and the players who, if they can do that for that long, deserve serious consideration. Now, of course, with with standards, you know, next year we're going to get uh, Brian McCann. And Russell Martin. Um, now Russell Martin's like, wait a minute. Well, he, he's at like forty WAR. Uh, weirdly, more than McCann. McCann is at like fifty-five F WAR because of because of framing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now McCann is one of the best hitting catchers of his generation. Ten seasons with twenty home runs, which only Mike Piazza uh, and Johnny Bench could say, um, and Yogi Berra. So, but like Brian McCann's not getting in the Hall of Fame for sure. Salvi is going to be another one of that. You know, we're, long line if he keeps compiling. There will be a standard that we will find. I think Posey and I think Molina will absolutely get in because, again, when you talk about the one-team thing and you talk about the association and you talk about the winning, which, of course, Molina also has, um, 
I think he will he will absolutely get it. Did you watch Maurer getting the call? I, I did. Yes. And he, he, oh, hey, it's Joe. Yeah, you got Joe. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm in the so hall? I'm so humbled. Oh, I am like, yeah. so humbled. Well, I golly gee, <laughs> dude, the, the the speech is gonna be the speech is gonna wow, be tremendous. I want to thank. It'll uh, be good. That'll be a great the, the, him Beltre. And and Helton, right? And Leland, Tennessee. Leland, like (laughs) (laughs) Leland will be awesome. Leland will be awesome. Like that will be a a fantastic, fantastic time. And by the way, we talk about you know baseball things we haven't done. We've not done um, Cooperstown. Cooperstown. We've done Cooperstown. We've been to Cooperstown together, but we've not done the Hall of Fame weekend. Um, and I know it's tough court during the summer. It's in the middle of the season. I'm getting but, married um, this year. You're getting married, right? Of course. And I, I've I've thought about like who. I mean, whatever. It's Felix. Obviously, if Felix got into the Hall of Fame today, next year. Ichiro, yeah, Ichiro would be super fun. That would be that would, that be, would be really fun, cool. That dude. speech is going to be uh, incredible. Um, one more thing about well, the call I want to point oh, yeah, out before good. we take a break. Sure. When Jack O'Connell makes the call. And he's the president of the BBWA, by the way. He, he's our boss. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Not really. Yeah. Um, so when he makes the call, he says, can I speak with Joe Maurer? And he said, can I speak without a help? And can I speak with Adrian Beltre? Mike, I have two thoughts. One is he, he knows how phones work now, right? Like it's not a house phone. So like he's not, does he think he's calling a house phone where it's because, you know, when we were kids and you call someone's house phone and like, you'd pick up the phone and it would be like, can I speak with your mom? And then you'd give the phone to your mom. Does he think that's the case? Or is he just like quadruple checking? Yes. So two thoughts on like, this. But but like, hi is, but it's, it's never like, is this Adrian Belger? It's like, can I speak? Right. right. Well, he has like a script, right? I'm sure. But yeah. here's, here's the two thoughts on this. My, my thinking is, is this a product of one time, they had a bad experience Ooh. where someone picked up that was not supposed to pick up and this they is, told them like, I don't know how they got the wrong number or I don't know what this would be, but like it, that's what pr- presented it. There's a sign in my neighborhood taped <laughs> to a wall that says, please do not poop or pee here. Exactly. And which means, which means that someone pooped or peed there once. So that's, that, what, that's what I'm getting at. That tells me that one yeah. time they told, they got yeah. the wrong person. Cause in general, right. Like in, they should have the right phone number. There's no way you're calling, but, and I don't know who the worst, now, of course, whatever. It's like, can I speak to someone? Can I speak to Carlos Beltran? Oops, sorry. You're not, you're not getting the whole thing right now, which well, gets back to your idea. Not under my idea. No, I know. Then, then you would tell them. Tell losers they've lost. Um, A couple other, quickly, by the way, quick note on Jim Leland, just for people who are listening and like, you guys are idiots. Jim Leland, I did forget about this. Let's, let's talk about him for a second. He did manage the Rockies for one season. Did you know that? Nope. <laughs> that, that's fine. I, I I was like, didn't he? Like, I was like, is that right? 1999 didn't go well. So that's probably why we don't remember. One it. season. That's very rare. Managing a team for one yeah. season. So again, that's a, a story that, that again, if, if Rockies fans, well, he knows, he knows about Todd Helton. Anyway, so I just wanted to mention that. But Jim that Leland he, also. He managed the Marlins to a World Series. Mm-hmm. Won in 97 his first year. Mm-hmm. And then was like. Immediately lost 100 games. Not his fault. Because they sold all the players off mm-hmm. went to the Rockies were like this is not any better <laughs> and then Tigers and then it. resurfaced with the with the with the Tigers you know they win a couple pennants um and then of course legendary here's a question will Barry, Barry Bonds, Bonds be in Cooperstown no probably not we've talked about this before is like has he been there before yes and I think the answer is yes although I'm not totally it's just sure it's not like, worth it for him 
the experience, everyone's going to be yelling at him. Like, no, of course, of course. But, no, it's, but it's going to be a lot of Minnesotans who are going to be like, oh, we forgive <laughs> you, Barry. No worries. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Like, obviously, the Leland Bonds relationship is pretty legendary. I don't know if that's going to get Barry to Cooperstown um, in the summer. So anyway, we'll, we'll see. That that will be an interesting thing. Okay. Uh, other takeaways quickly from the ballot before we take a break and then we get to the, the transactions. Sad for Billy Wagner that he didn't get in. Five votes short. Five votes short. However, he's got one more try. He does. And he'll get in next year. He will get it next year. Um, again, trying to figure out the voting trends is so bizarre. There's some people that stopped voting from this year suddenly. Like, it's impossible to predict. In theory, there will be slightly more room on the ballot mm. next year. Like there were some people who voted for 10 and said they wanted to vote for Wagner 11th. So, okay, maybe presumably those people will vote for him next year. But I don't know. I mean, Ron, it's Ron it DeSantis off the ballot. Uh, that's didn't, true. He didn't dr- get 5%. He, that's true. He <laughs> dropped. Um, other players. I mean, the bottom is always interesting. So, I will say the guys that, that stuck. Oh, first of all, also Gary Sheffield. Here's my thinking on Gary Sheffield. I do believe that one day there is a chance that some committee with the right combination of members will put in Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Gary Sheffield. I think it's possible. I don't think Gary Sheffield is doomed. I think there will be there is a version where he could get into the Hall of Fame at some point. But we, he is going to have to keep waiting. His steroids situation is very specific. Mm-hmm. Read about it. I think that if he had had one team that had advocated for him where he had meant something to a city, yeah. it would have been a different would story based upon his numbers. I think he was hurt by the fact that he played for so many different clubs. Yeah. Um, Beltron, big gains, seemed like people who wanted to punish him for, I guess, banging on trash cans or telling people to bang on trash cans. Uh, they were like, oh, that's fine. He's a Hall of Famer. And he should be. And I bet he... I think there's a chance Beltron just gets in next year because we're all looking around like, this is fucking stupid. Like, what are we doing? He he he's, yeah. he should not have been a question. Uh, A-Rod, Manny... Doesn't matter. I will say matter. I was... And Andrew Jones, not as many big gains as I think people maybe expected. I will say Utley ended lower than I thought. I Not that I thought that he was going to be over 50% or anything... Utley at 28%. I think he still is going to have a chance. There's going to be a lot. There's going to be a huge sabermetric push for him. And obviously, he's got... He'll have Phillies people pushing for it. So, I have no doubt about that. I was a little bit surprised by that. But I think he still has plenty of time to get it eventually. Other than that, I mean, to see David Wright stay on the ballot. Again, don't think he's going to make it any, any. But I wasn't surprised to see him get 5%. Torrey Hunter stays on. K-Rod stays on. I'm kind of glad K-Rod uh, managed to survive another He's year. on my ballot. I vote. I that, like. That's the thing. I, I mean, would vote for it. The thing with Kara is like Billy Wagner is obviously better. Is K Rod that much worse if we're putting in the best closers? Probably not. Um, and then you know goodbye to, to <laughs> Jose Bautista. How about Victor Martinez getting six votes I, again? That's uh, bizarre. Um, and then only Jose Reyes and James Shields going over with Brandon Phillips. Shouts out to the Lexington Legends. They called it future Hall of Fame vote getter Brandon Phillips. Uh, congratulations to him, Bartolo. Getting five votes, James Shields getting none. <laughs> yeah, if that home run had never happened, would there be a difference in those vote totals? I'm just, you know, someone's got to ask the question. Just saying it. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and we'll be right back on Baseball Barbercast with some actual transactions to talk about. Thank you, baseball teams. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Baseball Barbercast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman, enough about the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is looking back. And we as a society, as a country, as a world, as a sport need to look forward. We do. We do. It's 2024. The season is happening. Whether or not 
Joel Maurer gets into the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Why don't you? But thankfully, after a glacial pace, things have started to pick up over the last few days. I went to bed early last night because yeah. I had a very early flight to come see you here mm-hmm. in Indiana. And when I when I arose, there were yeah. many a moves. Many a moves. Yes. And so let's start with the one uh, that we are obviously most excited about. I'll say it. Do it. Congrats on the contract, dude. <laughs> Reese Hoskins, the man, the myth, the legend of Philadelphia. Not a myth. He's a real, real person. And we love him dearly is going to the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, this is one where, yes, it is a new team, and yes, Reese having a new jersey will be very weird. weird. However, as far as free agent fits go, this was a no-brainer from the start of the offseason. Once we saw that the Brewers were not going to go backwards by trading Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas, then it was just a matter of, can they just spend a little bit? We're not asking you to go Go crazy and and shop at the top of the market. We're no, we're not expecting that. But in the NL Central, and with the Reds blowing a hundred million dollars, yeah. right? And we see the Cubs getting mad, and the Cardinals spending some money. Come on, Brewers, just do something a little bit, and we'll buy back in really quickly. It's a pretty good deal, I think, for both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Reese guarantees himself thirty-four million second year, or sorry, he's got an opt-out mm-hmm. after the first year. Mm-hmm. So if he goes and he performs really well. And shows that he's healthy, he's gonna opt out. Yeah. Right. Like if yeah. he if he has a regular Reese Hoskins season, which you know, every season he's ever had looks the same. Yeah. Like there's besides when his leg exploded. No, he's like, been he's been so consistent. He has been basically 60 extra base hits every year. He's gonna walk a bunch, he'll strike out a good amount. Um, and then in, in, in before his injury, he was never injured. Before right. his big injury, he he was never hurt. Yeah. So he yeah, this is it's awesome, right? It's like he hits 245. And he hits 30 homers. And that's just kind of what he does, yep. right? He's If he's the third best hitter in your lineup, that's pretty good. If he's the, he well, might be the best hitter for the Brewers. <laughs> I was going to say. I know, but that's what the Brewers well, are. Well, no, he's not. I don't. It's it's an it's an interesting group. And again, this is the thing with them. It's just like, this is why for teams in their position, it's just like, just give us something. Give us something. They keep Willie Adamas. They have this incredibly young group. We haven't even seen Jackson Churio yet. We don't. Maybe he'll just be, you know, a rookie of the year contender yep. immediately. That changes, you know, the look of their team. William Contreras, incredible. Yelich started to look more like at least an above average hitter again. Freilich, they have these and, younger outfielders, Mitchell and Terrain. Like Hoskins, though, not quite as bad as Cleveland, but they've needed guys to hit the ball over the fence. They if, have not had that, and Reese will obviously do that there. And if Reese is good and the team is bad, they can trade him at the deadline yep. because. He'll probably opt out, so you're only paying whatever's left on that deal, mm-hmm. which would probably be about, you know, at the deadline, what, like $6 million. Mm-hmm. That's totally doable for most teams at the deadline to get a power bat. And so I I think this deal makes a lot of sense for the Brewers. They had the obvious spot. Rowdy Telez was not working no, there no. anymore. He was briefly, um, but yeah. And then now, you know, this, this deal... Pushes their payroll, you know, back up to closer to where it was uh, by the end of last season. We know they did. We're like, okay, how how seriously are they going to cut? But again, this is they needed to do something to because without this, like we were looking at this offense and it was just like, come on, Brewers, and it still might have been good enough, but it would have been frustrating uh, to look at that group. Then I guess the last thing to say is goodbye to Philadelphia, Reese yeah. Hoskins. We the writing was on the on the wall. I wrote the the, the first game of Philadelphia's. October this year, 
they had Reese come and throw out the first pitch against the Marlins. And everyone kind of understood that that was goodbye because it was unlikely he was ever going to come back and play in the World Series. They ended up not even making the World Series. I don't believe he would have been ready to play had they even made it. He was there the last night in Game 7 when they lost to the Diamondbacks. He was in the dugout for that. But his real public goodbye to the city was uh, that first game against the Marlins. The Brewers will be in Philadelphia, I believe, on June 3rd. Yeah, it's like the first first or second week of June. Um, so It'll be cool. That, I mean, yeah. it, it, we were talking about this in the car. Like, Reese Hoskins to a city, to Philadelphia, meant a lot in a very unique and specific way. Because when a player matters a lot to a place, there's a number of different ways that can happen, right? So, like, Bryce Harper is an example. Guy chooses... Very good player, chooses to sign with a team for a lot of money, commits to a place, connection is formed, meaning exists, right? Then you have Joe Maurer, which is drafted high. He's a little bit different because he's from there, right? But like Todd Helton, drafted high, spends his whole career with a place. There's expectations when he gets up. But for Reese, it was like he was the best player on a bad Phillies team for three years, with zero expectations after being, what, like a fifth-round pick, sixth-round yeah. pick? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the team got good around him. I guess it kind of reminds me— And he me, sustained, right? And he he sustained. was good enough to stick around. I, like a, a small example would be like Alex Gordon, mm-hmm. right, who mm-hmm. was with the Royals, and then they got good, and then he was still there being a contributor. Well, that's right. But he was a the He was top a top pick. pick. He was a huge—right, and, and also— relatively local, right? I mean, he was in the Midwest at least. But I either way, like Reese adopted City like and it was only it was only five seasons, right? We're not talking about a ma- or I guess six seasons, six and a half and the, of course you have the shortened year in there. Um but to cram that many moments in to sustain the success while the team built up around him to become a National League juggernaut um is is a credit to him and then of course like you have the fact that just like him and his wife were extremely involved in the community you have the fact that they're raising money for all kinds of causes uh, around the city and then you have the more simple ways to make the city love you which is just like jamie buying a bunch of beer for an entire section you yeah. know during philly's games like and that's awesome right but like that's also they're just cool awesome nice well, people <laughs> and they were the perfect right. kinds of people to embrace you know that fan base well i think it's because like in some way like i don't I don't want to read too much into Reese. Sure. I don't know if he and like he and Jamie have known each other since high school. Right. right. And so this was not the life that they had always envisioned for themselves or at least expected. Mm-hmm. Like Kayla and Bryce Harper <laughs> are living their dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this was the path. Yeah. Reese's normal guy, <laughs> which is very much not an act. Yes. Is just a byproduct of him having been a normal like oh i guess i'll play division one baseball yeah like, like i'm the big guy in sacramento yeah. i'll go to sacramento state and be yes. on a baseball team and we'll see what happens and i think my favorite thing about reese and you know we've known him for a long time is i'm not going to name names there are players that we have met when they were young and they have changed not in the worst ways mm-hmm. right they're not like bad people mm-hmm. but the game and the fame and the money and the grind of it changes them in some ways. And that's totally understandable. Everybody changes Mm -hmm. when they have life experiences. Mm -hmm. Reese has had that happen to him a lot less than other big leaders I've been around. Like he remains an incredibly, incredibly humble and enjoyable person to talk to. 
Um, and anybody who's played with him will definitely say the same thing. So excited to watch the next chapter of Reese Hoskins. Yeah, and it's it's a great fit. It's also good because now obviously it it is on one hand it's like okay he didn't sign with the Mets like that's good right he didn't sign with the whatever. oh the Brewers for Phillies fans is perfect it's it's perfect until the NLDS. <laughs> so I'm just saying I'm just saying like that will be that is a very realistic scenario. It is not the why not. So the math needed for a Brewers Phillies NLDS so okay. is a little complicated, right? So okay, I, I was just saying okay, NLC whatever. I, I wasn't being specific, but yeah, I haven't thought about it that much. I'm just saying the Brewers and Phillies being in the playoffs is not the most important. Not gonna thing. happen. Not, okay. not worried about it. <laughs> okay, I'm not saying this is a bad or a good or bad thing. I'm just saying like that would be an interesting situation. Because <laughs> so, obviously they're going to cheer a, a Jude. Duh. Oh my god! Uh, so anyway, that'll be great. Okay, I think uh, it'd be funny if they booed him. <laughs> right? It's like I think he he would find it funny. Yeah, he'd be like, you know what? That's kind of like that's it's a good bit. Good bit for these fans. That would take a lot of coordination. It's like they cheered Trey Turner, they boo Reese Hoskins. <laughs> uh, all right, so we have we have other transactions to talk about. Let's do the hit. Let's do the hitters first. Um, now, Reese by far the most uh, prominent hitter to sign, but Joey Gallo, mm. we talked about him recently. So, um, because we we kind of looked at some of the the famous free agents farther down the list, and you know, you pull up Joey Gallo's numbers, and you're like, oh, Joey Gallo was irrelevant for the Twins, even though the Twins were good. Like, I wasn't thinking about Joey Gallo. You know, we didn't really see him in the postseason. Like, he was not relevant at all and then you look up his numbers and he had a 101 OPS plus which for the Nationals was looking pretty good pretty nice and while he does get you know half the guarantee that he got a year ago with a lot of the questions about what the hell is Joey Gallo um to see uh, the Nats uh, Boris more likely call the Nats but like hey come on do me a solid do me a solid and also like a place where Joey Gallo can Cook and can can cook. Let let him play. Right. Let him get more than three hundred and thirty-two plate appearances. Let him try and figure some stuff out. Dude, I with love a little that bit we less talk pressure. about Joey Gallo like he's some big child. We like <laughs> we're like what is Joey Gallo? Well, you know what Joey Gallo is, Jordan. Joey Gallo is thirty. Yeah. Joey Gallo is thirty years old, yeah. and he is this. This yeah. is the player he is. If could he have like one? absurd season where he turns it back a little bit and he hits he 40 home Texas. runs like i think that's runs. still yeah, possible if he stays healthy yeah 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 but also he is this and like he is a valuable enough player with a having a 101 ops plus and still being able to play multiple positions like decently well yeah and um, it, the nats will trade him at the deadline if he's worth anything and then they're yeah. bad and Great. Yeah, it's right. It's not that complicated. I mean, obviously, with with guys of, of his talent, and when we've seen like the, the heights of what Joey Gallo can be, you you want to get back to that. I'm just glad he's still going to be hitting home runs in Major League Baseball. Like at the very least, that is something that I do not want to just stop. In the way that right. another guy we are about to talk about, Miguel Sano, it just disappeared, and it was like, damn, I miss watching Miguel Sano hit the ball five million feet. Like I would like Joey Gallo to keep kind of figuring this out. And now, right, are the Nationals going to be the one to like unlock something no. from a player development standpoint? I don't think so, but I do hope they let him play. There is a 7% chance that the furthest home run next year is courtesy of Joey Gallo. <laughs> right. And that's a gift. He's on the list. Right, that's exactly. a gift. Exactly. So, Appreciate it. So I'm, uh, and, and also like Joey Gallo, the personality, I, I quite enjoy him. And so and I, he's been hitting with the holidays this offseason. Oh, he's in the, he's in that Boris group. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, they could probably learn something. I don't know. It's, it's so interesting when you see guys hitting together who are like completely different kinds oh of God. hitters. Oh, I it's like, so agree. It's like, what are you talking about, right? Yeah. Like, I think Xavier Isaac, who is... Um, it's like when Kanye West was hanging out with Paul McCartney. <laughs> it's like, it's like, like, what the well, how fuck is this, are you talking this, about? But like, Xavier Isaac, right, who is a top first base prospect with the Rays, high school bat huge power but like advanced approach whatever all kinds of things it's like obviously you want to respect joey gallo but don't learn too much from him don't learn too much from him. like let's make sure we're cutting it off like make sure we're still you know make sure you're ending the day hearing some tips from the holidays here we go free (laughs) idea for mlb okay off-season series where you have two different types of hitters do a cage session together Mm -hmm. and you just mic them up so like you fly oh, oh, Joey Gallo out to like Miami to hit with Louisa Rise, mm-hmm. and it's like what? Go, the, uh, what are they go, talking about? Right, I'm trying to think. You go like T.J. Friedel, you know, you get, <laughs> you get him with some whatever, like with someone Reese. like with Reese, right? Those combine those two, like watch out, holy shit, you know that'd be that'd be something special. You do with pitchers too. <laughs> yes. Get Kyle Hendricks and Jordan Hicks. Oh man, perfect. Yes, yes. No, I would love that. Um, so maybe, 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 maybe it's possible. Uh, okay. Uh, speaking of uh, hitting the ball five million feet, Miguel Sano is sort of back. Uh, minor league deal with the Angels. This is not surprising considering the Angels targeting again. They've targeted exit velo at all levels of their organization. Um, the Angels. We're going to talk about them in a little bit with another pitching addition. They've spent a ton on their bullpen this offseason. They have not touched their rotation or their lineup, and. Will Miguel Sano be back in the big leagues? I don't know. But like I said with Joey Gallo, I would like to see him try. We've seen him in Lee Dome. He did not play last summer. Um, he's had all kinds of interesting stuff happening to him uh, in his personal life recently that is uh, difficult and unfortunate. But the reality is he's what? He's also still just thir- – he's 30, right? He's about to turn 31. Another guy who was – Supposed to be uh, supposed to be a superstar, and he yeah. had a couple years there uh, where he was. We talk about you know absolute top level power. It, it is it is him. Uh, go watch the documentary on him as an amateur mm-hmm. if you haven't. Very interesting mm-hmm. stuff. The Angels offseason so far, Jordan has been the uh, does he know meme <laughs> about Shohei Otani, like <laughs> meaning like oh like do they he's are they not, gonna, he's not there anymore. Are so they, they going to do anything about that? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Like I don't think Miguel Sano is the Shohei Otani DH replacement. Matt um, Moore is the but but I uh, but I said this when we signed Stevenson. Like I think there's still time for them to to end up with a with a Snell or Montgomery or. Um, or Solaire or something. I, I don't know. Like I just think that they 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 are unpredictable in that regard, for know, better or for worse. I know it's a little early to rev up the hot take machine, but yeah, let's hear it. Angels more wins this year than last year. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's again again they haven't been over five hundred in multiple seasons. So if they win eighty one games, eighty two games, that would be a miracle. Uh, one more hitter, uh, and then before we get to the pitchers, we're a little bit more interesting. Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini. This is talk about one of the best dudes in baseball, but also like just kind of bizarre the fall off that we have witnessed here since he was um, traded to the Astros. Yeah. I really do. And like, obviously, he, the dude had cancer. The dude came back from cancer and that was incredible. But like he he did that and then he was playing for the Orioles and he was good. And he was pretty he, good. Yeah. But like, yeah. I think it's, it's totally fair. Yeah. I don't know anything about medicine, mm-hmm. but I would say it's totally fair 
that his body is maybe not reacting sure. the same way it was beforehand. Like hundred percent. That's the type of physical thing that someone goes through. We, where we it, can't even fathom. You can't that's, even the, the, fathom and, and that's the thing. The fact that he made it back to play major baseball again is, is unbelievable and, and, and yeah. amazing credit to him, credit to the doctors, everything. But I mean, again, 116 OPS plus, like that's he, if he had done that with Astros and then this past year with the Cubs, like, we'd be having the conversation about him with Reese Hoskins and with all these other DHs. And instead, yeah. you know, he signs a minor league deal with the Marlins. Again, I'm glad Trey Mancini's still hanging around in baseball, obviously. Yeah. Um, but that's, Whatever he chooses that's to thing. do when he's done, he'll be good at it. Like, I'm glad he's staying in the game and he's getting a shot at spring training. Not a human being that I worry about. Oh, no, no, 100%. 100%. Uh, so we'll see if he ends up making the Miami Marlins. All right, let's get some a pictures. human being that I worry about, a Roldis Chapman. Uh, we talked about a couple people in uh, Reese Hoskins and Trey Mancini who are the easiest uh, humans in the world to root for. Rawls Chapman, for various reasons, uh, yes, on uh, and off the field, no. have given us, us many reasons, whether it be, uh, of course, suspensions related to domestic violence, of course, being an absolute shithead of a teammate <laughs> multiple Yankees. times with the ha- Yankees, however, he throwing is- at people when he is the one of the hardest throwers of all time. He has given... yeah. All of the he is a uh, a negative. He yeah. has given us two things. Yeah. Okay. Eh, three. <laughs> one, he threw the hardest pitch, and he's still. I mean, he's one of the most. I'm not ass- saying that him having thrown the hardest pitch negates <laughs> the immoral <laughs> no. acts off the field. Let me be very clear. He has thrown the hardest pitch ever. That is a he fact. is okay? yes he is the hardest thrower we have ever seen. Aroldis Chapman, 2023 postseason reliever was a absolute joy <laughs> to watch that mess well, in person. Oh, yeah. And, oh, right. That's true. You saw it in person. And he gave us my favorite baseball phrase of all time, courtesy of Lindsay Adler, veritable ring of pus <laughs> when he got a tattoo that got infected and basically like quit on the Yankees. Lindsay uh, described it as, quote, a veritable ring of pus. Um, why are we talking about him? The Pirates signed him. They gave him $10 million. To be on, uh, to, I guess, join their bullpen, probably not close. And it's really not that complicated. They are going to try and replicate exactly what the Royals did a year ago. Chapman clearly has no interest in on purpose signing for a lot of money to go to a big market. Perhaps he will get traded to one at the deadline just to see what last year and ended up winning a World Series. Um, the reason he's still getting $10 million, despite being a verified shithead, is because he still throws 101 with uh, some of the craziest shit you'll ever see from a reliever. So as long as he is still eligible to play, uh, teams are going to probably still sign him. And that's unfortunate for Pirates fans who are obviously going to be uncomfortable rooting for him. But the good news is he probably won't play on your team for more than three months. Royals turned him into Randy Johnson. Yes, and that is quite a high bar. Whenever <laughs> they trade him, it will be like, um, remember the bar is Randy Johnson. So good luck to the Pirates pro scouting department on finding their Cole Reagans uh, to land in the eventual Araldus Chapman trade. Godspeed. Uh, now I will say let's let's go back to people who are just delightful human beings. James Paxton. James Paxton. I thought about him. An absolute delight. Uh, one of the nicest Canadian lads in all of our sport. He has dealt with. Just so, I mean, is about as injury prone as it gets, but still kind of decent when he's when he's throwing the pill, taking the rock, made 19 starts for the Red Sox, and was like kind of okay before he ended the year with another uh, you know round of injuries. Um, and 
the Dodgers are looking around, just waiting for other teams to sign people, and they're like, all right, fine. Guess we'll sign another guy for $10 million. They give him an $11 million deal with a $1 million bonus just for making the opening day roster. And I tweeted about this, and I've never seen this before in a contract, and other people could confirm my suspicion they've never seen this before, because it is very common to say, oh, and he has other incentives and bonuses where it's like, oh, $15 million deal, and bonuses for 100 innings, bonuses for 10 wins, bonuses for All-Star, Cy Young, Silver Slugger, all this shit, right? Bonus for being alive <laughs> on March 30th. <laughs> a billion dollars. Like, why? The, the fact that it wasn't a $12 million deal, like, either they know he might not be ready. I don't Good know. Point. This is just bizarre. Like, that's probably it. And, like, he's behind schedule rehabbing whatever injuries he had last year. If it's you show up to work on your first day, <laughs> a million dollars. Like, it's really something. And, like, obviously, it's unfortunate because it's because he's been yeah. uh, this injured. But. I love James Paxton. He's he was he was so much fun to watch as a Mariner. And again, like now he'll. I mean, I felt this great way. Fit. It's a great fit because the Dodgers have done this so many times with experienced players with injury issues. Mm -hmm. Maybe he'll start. Maybe they'll just put him in the bullpen and let sure. him cook. Whatever. Sure. Um, they for every although for every um, Brandon Morrow there is a Jimmy Nelson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but again, like we're. I mean, actually, like it's. You're not looking for 200 innings, right? You're looking for 100, hopefully, right? You get an Andrew Heaney type season. I'm sure I'm excited to see what they do with his, like, he's still throwing pretty hard for a left-hander, right? So if he can be healthy, um, that'd be exciting. And I don't really understand the response being like, oh, that's it for Kershaw. Like, listen, I mean, if you're, <laughs> think about it this way. The Dodgers, by the structure of this contract, are already worried about him being ready for opening day. So then why do you think they think that he's going to be 100% by the time Kershaw's back? Yeah, <laughs> like, let's just be clear. Like, it's totally different. If Kershaw wants to come back, he'll come back. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll table that until that actually is relevant. Kershaw's going to farve it. He's going to do the farve. I agree. Like, he'll show up and, uh, and of course, we saw you know Clemens do that at times during his career. Um, I do think, though, that this makes sense. They did not have – I guess they still have Yarbrough, but otherwise – not a lot of no lefty starter that they definitely wanted. So I think Paxson certainly fits that. But contract was bizarre, but I'll always root for that guy. And just like when he went to the Yankees originally, I would love to see James Paxton, you know, win. Speaking of a lefty pitcher, mm -hmm. let's say goodbye to Colin McHugh. Not, who, <laughs> well, well said. Who <laughs> announced <ahead>. his retirement. <laughs> Colin McHugh, who threw with his right hand. Yes. Please explain. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the context. I thought that was, I thought that was that a was banger. Good. That was good. That was fuego. Uh, Colin McHugh retired. Talk about a wild career. Oh, God. Co okay, 18th I, round pick who made $26 million. Well, th that's that's an obvious headliner. I saw, because um, I think Brian McTaggart was tweeting about this. This dude won 19 games for the 2015 Astros. He had Cy Young votes. I have no, like I knew he was a starter with the Astros like during that stretch from 14 to 17. He was like in their rotation and was like pretty good. Uh, and then, of course, he becomes a, an excellent reliever with with the Rays, and then, of course, with the Braves. Um, you know, he's more of his hometown team. Uh, but yeah, man, he's an awesome guy um, oh. on the on the right side of history on <laughs> many dude. many issues. And uh, I look forward to, in the same way uh, with Trevor May retiring, I look forward to hearing Colin McHugh talk more in public. Hopefully, we'll see. Maybe he'll end up working for a team, working for the league, whatever. But he's someone whose I'll, insight and experience I really appreciate. I feel pretty good Colin McHugh won't be working for the league. 
<laughs> well, that much, that much. I, I think I, he I might maybe could go work for the union. <laughs> yeah, but not yeah, for the not league. for the league, but for but maybe a team. Well, who, a, who knows? Just a cool career, really cool career. The Astros kind of plucked him out of out. no from the not just the Mets first, where he made the big leagues and was nothing, but the Rockies. He had a yeah, not, so he had a ten ERA with the Rockies because yeah. But this is the era when the Astros had solved some things with pitch tracking mm-hmm. where they knew that Colin McHugh had a special spin rate on his curveball. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of the first in that wave of how we develop, like identifying statistical outliers with pitch data. Mm-hmm. Right nowadays, you can't just look at, we know that spin rate on its own does not tell the whole story. But at that time, it kind of did because McHugh was so elite at that that it allowed him to turn into what he became. Also one of Brent Strom's earliest projects with Houston. Um, they both got there in 2014. Uh, but yeah, just a really, really cool career. Um, so congratulations to Colin. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, oh, Matt Moore signed with the Angels. Again, Angels building a decent bullpen. Again, we're, why would we trust them uh, otherwise? But it is. <laughs> I think the funniest thing about uh, Matt Moore signing with the Angels, where he was already last year and was like pretty good, is the I forget which account tweeted the graphic. It was him with the Marlins, um, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, why? We, when we see the Marlins?" And then you remember he was part of the waiver dump. Uh, ended up on Cleveland and ended up on Miami for four games. Very strange. But Matt Moore, another former top prospect who is now flourishing as a totally solid left-handed reliever. But Angels are going to have to do a lot more for me to actually expect them to be good. And I expect them to do so. Uh, Jake Mintz, I think we're going to cut it off here. This has been an hour of us talking into microphones, sitting in chairs next to each other. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, we have plenty of other things to do that we are going to now, uh, uh, do when we, I guess we're, I guess we are on the zoom call cause producer Chris is here. So shouts out to producer Chris. Uh, we appreciate him making this work, um, as always. Uh, but yeah, we will be back on Friday. We will still be in the same place on Friday. So we'll record again then, but otherwise keep those emails coming. Baseball at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. Uh, if we don't have as much news by Friday, would love to do some emails on Friday. So definitely um, send us some more. We have a bit of a backlog, but I would love to get uh, some more in there. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, producer Chris Tyler. Thank you, Jake Mintz. And we will talk to you all very soon. Goodbye. Serious XM Podcasts.